Do you ever feel like you just can't cut anything else from your budget? If you're in that position, this episode will help you figure out how to take the next steps to getting back on your financial feet. Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting, where we're going to talk today about cutting things from your budget when you think you can't. And I'm Harlan, and I'm here with Miranda as usual. How are you, Miranda? I'm doing well. You know, I always get really excited when we do these financial episodes <laughs> because this is where we live every day. This is definitely your wheelhouse. This is going to be a fun one to talk about. We are always, as as financial writers, and there's a lot of financial writers out there who do the same, we are always talking about, oh, you think you can't cut something from your budget? I bet you can. Just try, you know, a little bit from here and a little bit from here. And there are a lot of the audience, there's a lot of people out there who just feel, you know what, I cannot do this. Absolutely cannot. I am down to the penny. I am spending more than I earn. And you expect me to cut something from the budget when my paycheck is so low, or I don't have a paycheck. All right, so we have to address that today. And that's one of kind of my pet peeves as well, because yes, there are times when you really can cut when you don't think you can. I remember early on in my marriage, I was like, oh my gosh, we can't cut anything. There is no way we could cut anything from our budget. We are, same thing, we're down to the penny, we can't do anything else. And then I stopped and I looked and I was like, oh my gosh, we eat out three times a week. Oh my gosh, we are paying for cable. And so those were things that could be cut. But then you do get into these situations where you really can't cut anything and there's only so much you can cut. And at some point you are really down to the bone. You still have to pay half for housing. You still have to pay bills. You still have to, you know, buy food to feed your children. And once you really do seriously cut out everything, you do get to the point where you can't cut anymore. And then you do have a problem. What can you do when you hit that wall, when you just know that, you know, you've cut everything out of your life so far, everything extra, and you're down to the bone, what do you do? Before we get to that, we do need to also make a point that there are situations that make this even worse. If you have medical problems, if you have chronic illnesses, uh, if you just experienced a job loss, or if your hours were just cut, or even if you have had these problems in the past, and now as a result of them, you have a serious debt hole that you're trying to dig out of. (laughs) I think we do need to acknowledge that there are situations that make this even worse. And I think we also need to talk about the fact that once you fall behind, it's very hard to get back on top. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we like to encourage people to do is look on the other side of the equation. Right, exactly. So once you get to the point where you feel like you can't cut any more, my favorite thing to do is look for more income. And we say that like it's easy, and it's not. But it is one of those things that you get to the point where you do need to say, okay, I need to look for some more income, especially if you've fallen behind. Because once you fall behind, you've got fees, you've got your late payment fees, you've got your return funds fees, you've got all these charges, you've got interest charges on your debt, and it's all adding up. Once you get behind, pretty much all you're doing is is paying all the fees, and you're not getting ahead of anything. And so 
trying for more income is basically what you're left with once you can't cut anymore. For all the people out there who are perhaps trying to support a family, they're already working multiple jobs, they're making as much as they can in those jobs, there's no extra time in their lives, there's no extra money in their lives, I I really feel bad for people in this position because it just feels like there's absolutely nothing you can do on either side of the equation. You don't have time to look for another job because you're too busy scrambling and working at the jobs, usually plural that you have. Where can we break through and really make a difference and find a way to move past that frustrating position to maybe look into, I don't know, some freelance work or, you know, just something you can do while you're still managing your other responsibilities? Yeah. And I think that's a good place to start. You did mention that there are people who are already working multiple jobs. And so maybe this may not, this first suggestion may not be for you. But if you only have, only have one job, for some of us, that's plenty. I mean, let's be real. But if you have one job and there's an option for you, or if you have a life partner to get a second part-time job, that is a possibility. You do need to try and arrange your schedule to avoid the need for childcare because in our society and the realities of our situation right now, any part-time job you get, if you have to pay childcare, you might as well not have a part-time job. That, that's just the, the reality of the situation, quite unfortunately. Yeah, and that's because childcare is expensive. Right. I just want to put that out there. And so if you guys can work your schedule, I remember when my ex and I were both going to school and what we did was we arranged our school schedule so that one of us was home most of the time. There was one three-hour period a week where we did need childcare. And other than that, we tried to make sure that we were handing off between work and school uh, so that we didn't have to pay for childcare. And it was not fun and it was very difficult and it is a hard place to be in because it is a juggling act and it is it does take a lot of effort. I have a real problem. I've heard people like, well, you know, if you're don't want to make minimum wage, you can't have a minimum wage worth ethic. And you're sitting here going, no, people who are making minimum wage are working harder than just about anybody I know. And they're doing it at multiple jobs. So yeah, so if you can manage a second part time job or like a seasonal job, if you know, a lot of stores, especially during the holiday season, uh, but also during like spring sale times or during the summer, seasonal work, it can provide you with a way to say kind of power through a situation and say, okay, I, maybe I can't work year round at these extra jobs, but I can make it work for two months. And so doing seasonal work and just kind of powering through that two months and saving up some money to at least get ahead or at least, you know, get out in front of some of your bills, that can help. And in addition to just finding outside work, I, I really like the idea and I've seen this actually help people all over the place, people who thought they were stuck. And that is working from home, finding something, some kind of task they can do as a consultant, let's say, to work for other people. And like working online is one of those big things, whether it's doing some social media for a business. I think that that has certainly helped a lot of people generate some extra income using the time they have at home between other jobs, between other responsibilities, bringing in some extra income, social media stuff, just like Twitter. And there are there are companies that pay for this. And there are individual business owners who pay for this. You can find this work and it is not difficult 
at some levels, it does not require any kind of resume that is worthwhile to speak of. All it takes is some knowledge of social media. And I know that a lot of people understand social media because they spend a lot of time on it. Is it a professional level of knowledge? Uh, Perhaps not. Uh, Perhaps you're not going to get a job working for a large company in the social media department, but you don't need that type of knowledge to work for an individual, get some experience, and get paid for doing it. So I really like the idea of doing social media. There's other online stuff you can do to virtual assistants. Maybe you can schedule someone's calendar, check someone's emails and kind of handle all of that kind of stuff for them while they are involved in other things. And I know that I've hired people to do this type of work for me. And I don't know anything about their financial situation, so I'm not going to speak to that. But I know people on the other side who have used this type of work to really make a dent in their finances and to get ahead when they felt stuck living paycheck to paycheck or worse. Definitely. And I and the same thing, my virtual assistant, my VA, she spends one to two hours a day in the evenings while she's watching TV with her husband, just sort of scheduling my social media posts. And that kind of helps bring a little bit of extra income to their family. And another thing to think about is uh, remote customer service jobs. These have become more popular in the last few years. There are companies like JetBlue that actually have their their so-called call centers are people who work at home. And if you have some part-time time you can do, if, if you don't feel like you can get a second part-time job outside the home, uh, you can look for these types of remote customer service jobs where you know they set you up and then the calls come in and you can do it from home. So that's that's something to think about as well. Yeah, and I have some experience with other people I know who have turned to places like Uber and Lyft to become drivers, and that requires them to have a car that would be suitable for this, and uh, not everybody will have a car that is suitable for Uber and Lyft, but if you have the time to drive, there are certain things that you can do to make that worthwhile. Certainly, it has helped people I know between jobs, and it has helped people I know as a second job. And again, it is an income stream that you wouldn't otherwise have, and it has helped people get on their feet financially. Definitely. And along with that, other sharing economy items like Airbnb or couchsurfing.com, these are places where you can rent space. And so you know, as long as you're upfront about it and say, hey, it's just a room, <laughs> you're just going to sleep in a room or, you know, with the couch serving, just a space on my couch. If you can do that sort of thing, you know, and you have the room in your house and you can make a little bit of side income doing that. Another thing that I've seen people do if they live near places where there are events going on is offer parking. A lot of the time when I go down to the, the state fair, the houses surrounding the state fair, they are willing to let their lawns be a little bit uh, destroyed, I guess, but a little bit uh, messed up uh, to charge people, you know, $5 to come and park. And if you're willing to do that, then you can, you know, make a little bit of extra cash if there are events nearby. Going on from that, 
if you are able to, say, pet sit, you can bring the pet into your home. If it's a dog, you might have to spend some time walking, but there isn't uh, a lot of extra effort that you have to put into taking care for your friend's pet while they're away on vacation. That's that's a great way to give you a couple of extra bucks to, to work with. Yeah, and depending on the state you're in and the rules and regulation that go with it, babysitting or daycare can also be another option. Like I said, it depends on the state laws. There are some states where it's a little more restrictive, and once you have you know more than a couple of of kids you're babysitting, then you have to go through licensing. But depending on where you are, I mean, you could do some babysitting and some daycare, and that can actually provide you a way to make extra money without having to get childcare for your own kids. And then now they have a play date and it makes your life a little easier. Yeah. And uh, I know that when I was younger and in school, when I wanted to catch up or get some more experience in a subject, I would turn to a tutor. And my parents would obviously pay because I was a child. But tutoring is a great way for you to take just a small amount of spare time if you have it. And provide your knowledge in one subject area to a student and make some money doing that. I think it's I think it's a great way. I think spreading education in any form is great. So this is a, a great opportunity for you. And you can even, again, have people in your home so you don't take too much time away from your day in order to do it. And I think that's really important. And people pay good money for their kids to be tutored. So it's definitely worthwhile. Yeah, and you can even do this online. There are online places where you can sign up to be a tutor, you can sign up to teach classes. And there are even online universities where if you happen to have a master's degree, you might be able to actually pick up an online course to teach. You know, there's actually an accredited nonprofit university just down the road from where I live, and they're always looking for people willing to teach an online course. That's a a great idea. It's a great plan. Doing it online is even better because you can do it from the comfort of your own home without interrupting too much in your life. And another thing you can do also is you're trying for more income or even looking for ways to save more money. Uh, There are a lot of websites like Ebates and Swagbucks and, uh, and these sites that allow you to get a little money back for shopping. Now, this is dangerous because you need to make sure that it's stuff that you would buy anyway, or like Ibotta, where you can you know go into a store and, and scan things. So you do need to be careful to make sure that you're keeping with your budget. But some of these sites also allow you to take surveys. And taking surveys is not my favorite way to make money online. <laughs> but But if you can do it quickly, and you can run through it as fast as you can, then there are ways to make a few quick bucks or save a little bit of extra money. I know that in the past couple of years since I started using swag bucks, which I don't do very, I don't do it religiously and I don't make a huge thing of it, but I do know that I have probably got about $300 worth of Amazon gift cards from my activity on swag bucks and it doesn't take me any extra time. Yeah, and then that relies on you buying things that you would have to have bought anyway on Amazon for you to actually make that worthwhile. And that won't be the case for everybody. And a lot of the things that we're talking about right now are the smaller things that you can do in your life that make incremental improvements on your finances. And you need to build them up over a long period of time for that to have a massive effect. And the reason that we focus on those is because they are 
achievable and they sound achievable and they feel achievable. Yeah, some of the bigger changes to your life are achievable too, but when you're feeling overwhelmed, the chance of, of you making some of those bigger changes in your life, it feels like it can never be accomplished, so why bother? Now, I'm all for doing what you can to make some of those big changes, whether it's getting more education, you know, actually looking for a better full-time job and finding ways to make that work within your time schedule. Those are the big changes that can have a huge impact, but they just I know that they feel insurmountable sometimes. So that's why we focus on some of the small things that you can do in the meantime to improve your situation, get back on budget, and make sure that you're uh, coming up with more money at the end of every month going forward. Those small changes can get you there because they feel like you can accomplish them. And that is really important when we're talking about how you can change your behavior to improve your financial situation. Right. And that is so important because feeling like you can make a change and feeling like you have some control over the situation is monumental when it comes to starting to make a mindset shift. So there are some things when you feel like you can do a few things and get a little bit extra. And you know, and another thing that we didn't really touch on, but I actually know somebody who did this is give plasma. I get a lot of flack sometimes when I mention, oh, well, just go sell your body parts. But the reality is, is depending on where you live, the area you're in, it's $25 to $50 per donation that they will pay you. And you can go twice in a seven-day period to give blood plasma. You know, I actually knew somebody who did this, who went in two times in each seven-day period, and uh, he was in a lower-paying area, so it was $25 a piece. But he basically made $50 a week donating blood plasma. And that's $200 a month. That was enough for them to buy groceries each month. And that is how that is, you know, while he was trying to, you know, while he was looking for work, that is how they got their groceries that freed up other money for other bills they needed to pay. Because you know, he'd go out, he'd hit the pavement, look for a job, then he would go give his blood plasma and get us 25 bucks. And then just kind of repeat a few days later when he was eligible again, go out, hit the pavement, you know, do his resume stuff, do his interviews, whatever it was, then go donate some plasma, get another 25 bucks. And that's, that is, that's how he fed his family for about three months. It's a very interesting option that I think, uh, I think when you're in a certain situation, you need to explore all options that are, of course, legal and uh, align with your set of values. But there's more that we can do beyond these small income sources that we're looking at, right? We can, and I've, I've seen this happen all the time, regardless of the age, you just swallow your pride and admit to your parents that you need some help and move back in. Now, of course, this relies on having parents who are themselves on top of their situation so they can certainly open up their home to you so that you can move back in for a short time, a long time. It doesn't really matter. But this is a great way to, for a certain amount of time, save up some money. And I know because I did this when I was in the worst financial situation of my life. Uh, I was probably about 20, 25. Yeah, I, I was 25. You know, I didn't want to do this, but I had no option. I moved back in with my father, who had recently moved in with his partner. It was an uncomfortable situation for everybody, but it was 
an option that I had to pursue because there was nothing else that would have allowed me to, for a short period of time, stay on my feet. Yeah, and I think that's really important to take stock of your support system. Where do you have these support resources in your life? A lot of the time we hate to ask for help, or we hate for other people to realize how bad we screwed up. And it's hard to to get to that point and ask for that help. Even if you have kids, I know people who have had to move in with their parents, with their kids. And as long as those parents are in a place to help, you know, they might also be able to help with childcare, or they might be able to help, you know, with some of these other things like, you know, eating. So being able to call on that support system is important. And even if you don't move in with your parents, there are things like look to your friends, see, well, can we do a childcare exchange with friends and family where we take turns watching each other's kids, and then that frees me up some time to do some online work or to go out and look for a second job or, or whatever it is. Because sometimes those responsibilities kind of keep you from being able to get out there. So if you can look to your support system and and arrange some sort of an exchange, that can help you free up some of that time. And I think the key is not being too proud to ask for help and not being afraid of what people might think of you if you do. And I know that's a lot of the reason that people don't visit some community resources that are there for them. Some people don't even, you know, if if they leave a job and they're eligible for unemployment, I know people who are, they, they don't even want to collect unemployment because they feel that, oh, those resources are for somebody else. Someone who's in a much you know more difficult situation than myself should qualify for those and should be receiving those benefits. But you know what? You've probably been paying those unemployment taxes for some time while you were working. So th- those resources are there for you, there for anybody who loses a job. So you just got to not be afraid to go out and get the help that is available. Right. And in addition to the unemployment resources available, there are community resources out there. Many communities have food pantries. And yeah, you're going to go to the food pantry and you're probably, and it is, it's kind of, it's hard to go to these places because a lot of the time, the people that you run into that are people that you're used to thinking of as those people, which is a horrible way to think of your fellow human beings. But at the same time, we still have that, you know, association thing happening where we don't want to be associated uh, with that situation. But sometimes we just don't want to think that we're poor. That too. We, what was that? Uh, there was, um, I can't remember which one it was, but somebody, some famous literary guy was saying, you know, America is a, is a a nation of millionaires in temporarily embarrassed circumstances. <laughs> You're right. We don't like to think that we're poor. But if you need that help, you know, you go to the food pantry and no, you are not going to have a wide range of things to choose from. You're going to have a limited selection. Uh, but as you're trying to get back on your feet, sometimes you have to just acknowledge that and deal with it. There's assistance available for your utilities bills. Are you familiar with that, Miranda? Yeah, depending on where you live, there are some states and some cities that offer assistance with utilities. So they might have uh, wintertime assistance for heating. So, you know, when your heating bill goes up, depending on what kind of heating you have, uh, they might have assistance for people with low income. And that assistance usually comes in the form of grants. So grants made to like the city from the state or federal government, or it also comes in the form of donations. I know that on my own utility bill, I have the option to 
to donate a certain amount of money each month to help with this assistance fund. So it's worth checking with your utility company because utility companies have this and also cities might have this. So check with your utility company and also with your city to see if there are assistance programs uh, to help you pay some of your bills. And then also, you know, there's also housing assistance, you know, you've got the section eight housing that is based on your income and other types of housing assistance out there. And even places like missions or homeless shelters or transitional housing. Uh, Transitional housing is something that has been kind of receiving reduced funding in recent years, but it's a very important part of getting families back on their feet. So look into these housing assistance programs to see if there are any near you. Yeah, and the local places of worship have a lot of resources to help their communities, and you don't have to be a member, you don't have to be of a certain religion in order to benefit from these. You just well, have some to be- of them require you to. <laughs> well, perhaps they shouldn't, but some of them don't. So it is worth it is absolutely worth looking into to look at these local churches and other places of worship to see what kind of resources they have for the communities in which they're based. Some of them require membership, and maybe you'd be willing to become a member if that is something that is up your alley. However, it is absolutely worth looking into to see what it what is out there. Because uh, I, I know for a fact that many do not require membership, and uh, you just have to go in and ask the people. There are definitely a lot of religions that will help you, even if you are not worshiping in that congregation. Definitely go to a local congregation and see what the options are. Another thing you need to do if you are in debt, if you have debts that you're falling behind in, it's time to talk to your creditors. Nobody likes to do this and see what their options are. But uh, a lot of creditors have hardship departments where they can help you. Uh, it's, it's A lot of its t- time it's temporary, but they can help you get on some sort of reduced payment plan or something like that for a year or two. So talk to your creditors about your options. Uh, say, hey, I would really like to do this, but I've run into this problem. And it's never fun and it can be expensive in the long run. But if you need a little breathing room, this is where you can start. Yeah, I know I did this multiple times with my federal student loans when I was out of college and working for a nonprofit and then not working for that nonprofit. Qualify for deferment or forbearance, whatever your situation dictates. This is a great reason to leave your student loans as federal student loans instead of consolidating them with a private company so that you can still qualify for these uh, these income-based repayment plans, deferment and forbearance, all of the opportunities that are available to you because you have federal student loans. You know, back when Harlan and I graduated from college back in the dark ages, there was no income-driven replacement plan. You could get forbearance, you could get deferment, but there was no income-based repayment. And now there are several different types of income-driven repayment plans that you can check to see if you're eligible for. And so this can be one option for your student loans as well to get you back on your feet. Another thing to do is if you are struggling with credit cards, 
A lot of the time you can call, like I said, a hardship department or talk to your credit card company and say, hey, I would like to pay this off, but I'm having financial difficulties. A lot of the time they will modify your agreement. They can drop your interest rate and then put you on a payment plan. This does require you to actually cancel the credit card so you won't be able to use it in the future. But if you're trying to get it paid off and you're trying to look for some breathing room and try and get your payments down, this can be an option to at least move forward without declaring bankruptcy or trying, you know, something like that. And if you do get in that position and you really feel like there is nothing else you can do, sometimes bankruptcy is an option. There's a, certainly a stigma to declaring bankruptcy, but you know, if the, the leader of the free world can do it with his businesses, then I think bankruptcy is a valid option for everybody. Now, you don't use it to get out of your obligations. You use it because you have no options whatsoever. So that is uh, definitely something to keep in mind. And you'll you'll need to speak to a professional about how to go about declaring it. You don't do it just like Michael Scott does in the office where you stand, stand around and say, I declare bankruptcy. Right. <laughs> you have to do a little more than that. But that certainly is a valid and it's an option that people don't want to do again because they feel like it's dishonest or it isn't moral but this is your financial situation it you have to treat it like a business and you have to take an approach and make decisions based on what is best for your bottom line and and in the end what's best for your family and this is certainly an option that you can consider now, of course there are drawbacks to declaring bankruptcy. It does stay on your credit report and make it awfully difficult for you to do other things in your life that involve money. And I think that's for probably a seven-year period, but really the effects can last even longer than that. Yeah, it's not a step to be taken lightly, but if you really feel like you are just in a position where you need this option, then you know go ahead and, and if you have to do it, get that start, start again, but make sure that you are changing, that, that you've done some brutally honest reflection so that you understand how you got there. Because, you know, they've done research and about a third of the people who declare bankruptcy find themselves back in the same position within the next five years. Make sure that you are brutally honest about how you got there so that if it is in fact something that it's one thing to be like, okay, I have a bunch of medical debt because I had this major catastrophe. And that that's something that you can't change. But if you're brutally honest with yourself, and you can find some things in your own spending habits, make sure that you reform those spending habits after you get your fresh start. In addition to working on all the financial aspects of your life that are going to move you forward, it's really important when you're dealing with financial stress to seek help if you feel that you are stuck and you have no way out. Getting in the proper mindset is important, and you can't always do that just by listening to podcasts or reading articles or or figuring it, or even, you know, even if you take all the information that we give you and that's out there and try to move forward and make these changes... 
it can still be very psychologically taxing on you. So if you feel that you're in a position where you really don't see a way out, you need to speak to a professional as soon as possible. The psychological damage that's possible due to the stress of trying to live your life paycheck to paycheck, or worse, or in a worse financial position than that, your health and your life are the most important things, and you need to take care of that first. And sometimes that involves seeking help from a professional who's going to talk to you and help you through some of these thoughts and feelings that you might be having. So please take advantage of the resources that are out there and get the psychological help that you need to assist you as you make some of these financial changes. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of the time we forget about that piece of it, that uh, mental and emotional piece of it, because money really does cause these problems. So what are some of the things that our listeners can do now to get started on the right track? How do we take that first step? I think, you know, whenever it comes to finances, the first thing you want to do is track. So look at your spending and your income, write it down, write down what you're spending money on. And you can do this on the computer or you can do do it on paper. You can do it on your phone. There are apps to help you or you just write it down on a piece of paper because there's nothing better than actually moving a pencil or a pen on a sheet of paper to make you really feel and see what is going on in your life. So I would suggest doing that. Look at your finances, track them, know where your money's going, know where it's coming from, and really get a good picture of how you're ending, let's say, each month, whether you're moving forward or moving backward or staying the same. Yeah, that's a really good place to start. And look for trends. A lot of the time, uh, one of the things, whenever I look back at my spending, and every every few months I do this, is, is review it because things tend to creep in there. It's very eye-opening to me to realize what kinds of things have crept up and the trends that appear in my spending. And, and this is where you find the wiggle room. Next, once again, uh, list your resources. So this includes your support system, your parents, your siblings, your friends, your neighbors, and look at your community resources. Do a little research and write down what resources you are eligible for and you can turn to if you need that help. Yeah, and don't feel like you are too proud or too good to use those resources. They are there for you. I like the idea of calling just one creditor to start. Perhaps it's a credit card company. Get to the customer service representative, explain to them your situation, and ask for options. Just ask for options and don't demand anything yet. Just find out what some of the options are and what you can do and negotiate as much as you can because All of the things that they will tell you are negotiable. And if the person you're speaking to doesn't have the power to negotiate, ask for a supervisor. And you can get pretty far by doing that. It is always beneficial if you just set your mind to coming off the call with some kind of results and don't give up until you have some kind of result that is going to benefit you. And they do negotiate, so it is possible. And now we have a listener question. It says, every time I think I'm on the verge of catching up, something happens to put me behind. Between fees and interest, I can't seem to get ahead. How do I break out of this cycle? 
I think the first thing is to look at the situation differently. I know because someone in my life is feels this way right now, and they're going through something very similar, medical debt, e- even with insurance, there are things that are going to cost money, and it's going to be difficult for this person to keep on top of it. And one of the things that has helped them is definitely looking at everything in their life from a different perspective. And this is just recently, and it's really starting to pay off, I think. It's all about perspective. Yes, you can feel like the world is against you, and you have bad luck, and things keep happening and rolling on and just piling on, and it's an avalanche of madness, and nothing seems to go right. But Look for those things that are right in your life and focus on those for a little bit. It'll give you the mental space to look at your situation and find those ideas that are going to help you, many of which we talked about in this entire episode, but you'll feel that those ideas are actually achievable when you look at your life and find the positive things and think about them. It sounds ridiculous that just thinking about things differently is going to change our situation. I certainly don't believe that we bring about good things in our life just by sitting around thinking about them. I think that we bring around good things in our our lives by doing good things in our lives. But even that has to start with the positive outlook and the, the way we look at the things that we've been given in life and focus on that so that it prepares us, it gives us the mental space to open up and welcome and work on the, the things that are going to improve our lives. Yeah, and in taking that first step and, and kind of thinking about what you can do is where to start. And so rather than saying, okay, these things keep coming up and happening, what what can I do right now to alleviate? What is one area where I can alleviate some of this pain? And you talked about fees and interest. And so one of the first things you can do is in fact, contact your creditors and say, hey, I am experiencing financial hardship, talk to the financial hardship department, and see what you can do about having those fees and interest reduced, or putting yourself on a different plan, a new payment plan, so that you can at least get that under control, do something manageable in that area, as you start start looking for some other ways to maybe increase your income as well. Yeah, and just don't feel trapped. You're you're never trapped. There's always a way out. There's always something you can do to improve regardless of how behind you feel or how how discouraged you are. There is always something little you can do and focus on those little things that you can do, like calling up the credit card company and negotiating those fees and interests. That is a little thing. You will get a positive result and use that positive result to avalanche the positivity to counteract this feeling of being overwhelmed by all the negative things going on in your life. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for your question. And if you have your own questions, you are welcome to ask us at adulting.tv forward slash ask. You can also join us in our Facebook community. Go on to Facebook and look for our group, Adulting. And you can ask questions in this Facebook group, get some answers from other listeners and from us, and then also ask your questions through the site. We'll answer them either in an episode or in an article and also with our upcoming video series, help. 
Yeah, and if you want to see some resources that we talked about today, go to adulting.tv slash A69, and that'll get you to our resources page for this episode. Right, and don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and leave us a review. And until next time, remember to act like a grown-up. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Adulting.